Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, to do so on your radio using the checks and balances that our founding fathers gave us as we embrace the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. A quick recap of yesterday's show we had on Dr. Scott Bradley with us. Uh, and we talked about uh, all kinds of different stuff. Second hour, we had a, a couple of guests, Lee Dundas and Jason Cisneros. And we talked about this incredible new opportunity they have where you can start your own web store. Yeah, it's kind of like Etsy. <laughs> it's an e-commerce platform that will allow us to um, really re- refund patriots, if you will. Remonetize patriots. And defend the mega corporations by launching our own stores. It's kind of a mixture of Etsy, Amazon, and Pinterest. All kind of wrapped up into one. If you want to waive the startup fees to get your store today, you can text the word FREEDOM to 53445. That's text the word FREEDOM to 53445. Uh, it's called no- Nobleus. N-O-B-L-E, Noble. And then U.S., noblus.com, if you want to learn more about that incredible, interesting platform. Um, we talked about a bunch of other things. Chris Carlson's with us. I want him to discuss one of these things with me in detail. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Yes, sir, Sam. Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in that fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. All right. House Republicans announced that they are launching investigations into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. They said this at a press conference. They say Joe was involved in his son Hunter's business dealings. Businesses and associates linked to the Biden family allegedly exchanged over $2 million in, what do you want to call it, illicit funds between themselves and Chinese entities, the Bank of China, Over a five-year period, they say they're going to get to the bottom of this. Um, The Oversight Committee released a report on Thursday alleging that Joe Biden abused the executive branch with his involvement in Hunter Biden's business dealings. Um, Anyway, the bottom line is the Biden administration has failed to respond to over 100 damning documents and more. Uh, Biden claims he never even knew anything about it. He wasn't involved at all. Bottom line is I don't have any confidence that anybody's going to jail over this. The Republicans talk tough, but they have a tiny majority in the House. Uh, I appreciate that they want to get something done, and I commend them for speaking out. But we always think heads are going to roll at the top. We always think, all right, now finally we've got them, and we'll create some transparency and some accountability, and it always just fades into oblivion. Chris, your thoughts on this story? Yeah, it doesn't pass the too-good-to-be-true test for me either, Sam. 
they're going to find some trails and they're going to pretend like they're going down them. And then they're going to say, well, we don't have conclusive evidence. So, you know, we can't convict. We, there's not enough uh, material here to, to, to really uh, indict or in the case of the president, of course, uh, impeach. <laughs> so, no, I, I don't believe anything's going to develop out of this. They'll just pretend. But the, the exposure might be good for us. It, I, I think the exposure will be good. It, it'll in, increase the uh, general public's awareness that there is corruption, massive corruption in government. So maybe that will be uh, the silver lining in this case, Sam. Well, that, those attacks go on against Joe Biden. Senator Rand Paul sharply questioned Christopher Ray over collusion with Facebook. It's against the law for you to get this information from Facebook. It's against the law for from Facebook to send it to you and against the law for you to receive it, Paul told Ray. Now, that's a big indictment. You literally have the government in bed with big media exchanging information against the law. And I appreciate that Rand Paul brought this out, but then Senator Josh Hawley brought out even more against the Secretary of Homeland Security over allegations that the Biden administration directed social media companies to literally censor certain viewpoints. Senator Hawley basically said, hey, a federal judge has found a finding of fact, Mr. Secretary, that your office, and I'm going to quote now, says Josh Hawley, you are supervising the nerve of federally directed censorship. Um, This is serious. And this, again, points to Biden, to the administration. So if you believe the Hunter scandals are a big deal, will that take him down? No. What about the fact that the Biden administration is in bed with media and they're the nerve center of controlling information and redirecting information and literally lying and peddling fake news on one hand and withholding true facts on the other hand? The Justice Department, the Homeland Security, the FBI stands at the nerve center of this, making uh, truism. In other words, we told you so about Operation Mockingbird now doubled down and, number one, documented in court by a judge and then brought forth on the floor, the House or the Senate floor, uh, documenting this truth. Any heads roll there, Chris? No, sir. No, sir. Nothing will come of this. Nobody will go to jail. You know, maybe some uh, low echelon uh, bureaucrat, you know, will will do in-house attention or something. But you, you, I, I remember Mark Zuckerberg getting on the Joe Rogan show, and I listened, you, you played that uh, on your show. And I remember him admitting as such. He didn't use the word citizenship. He's very careful and guided in his words. But he, he admitted that the FBI contacted Facebook and told them that um, the Hunter, uh, all the information that uh, you know was being leaked about what was on his laptop was fake news, and you know don't cover that, you know. But um, I mean that that's as, as much as an admission of guilt right there. I heard it in Mark Zuckerberg's own words, Sam. And if there's any real truth to them taking this seriously, they've had the laptop since 2017, so it's been five, almost six years and nothing to date they've even literally blatantly claimed to the mainstream press we have enough to arrest hunter biden but nothing to date so again whether it's the hunter biden scandal where it's the operation mockingbird being proven it's no longer conspiracy it's in the courts it's in the 
halls in the, on the floor of Congress, senators with clear documented allegations. That's not enough. Well, we've been telling you there's election fraud. They say we claim that without evidence. But now Democratic Pennsylvania governor-elect Josh Shapiro charged a, quote, former campaign consultant with wide-scale voter fraud. That's according to authorities. Philadelphia political consultant Rasheen Cruz was arrested and charged with forging signatures on nomination petitions so that he could get his own Democratic clients on the ballot during the 2019 primary uh, races uh, in the city. Now, Shapiro's office announced in advance of the 2023 municipal elections, this arrest is an important reminder that interfering with the integrity of our elections is a serious crime. Any heads roll? No, sir. Not in this case. And, um, you know, you know, any exposure to voter fraud, um, even the allegations sometimes you know, stimulate thought in the minds of the people and increase their ability to entertain that thought. So I, I'm not familiar with that particular case in particular, but uh, it's I think information is slowly leaking out. Um, I think the um, John Fetterman election to the Senate in the state of Pennsylvania was a big wake-up call for a lot of people because everybody knew that, that he didn't stand a chance of winning. Yeah, he, he failed won. in the debate. He can hardly communicate. We're not attacking him personally for his health problems, but we're simply saying that's not the kind of people that can really serve in that kind of position. It's kind of like having a blind guy be your pilot on an airplane. You know? Yeah. Hey, he can do it. We promise. We know he can. He's a good guy, and he's really smart. That all may be true, but that doesn't change reality. Josh uh, Shapiro, this governor, Democratic governor, I might add, said by soliciting and organizing the wide-scale forgery of signatures, the defendant undermined the democratic process and uh, basically they violated a right to a free and fair elections. And he says, my office is dedicated to having accountability here. Again, I appreciate that. The rhetoric is everywhere for accountability but I don't really see any real pay dirt on that, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, basically, did you? I don't know if you heard about this, but there was an astronomer's video. Astronomers consider the night sky quite sexy. And uh, this video was six seconds long, and this lady released it. It was literally a meteor streaking through the sky for six seconds. And Twitter took her account off for violating their rules about sexual content. <laughs> they took her down for three months. And this really isn't about sex it's really about how much these automated tools control things they flagged her uh blip her account and uh, she couldn't get it back for the life of her uh, they wanted her to admit wrongdoing or that she broke twitter rules she refused this is the psychosis we're experiencing under automated tools and then nobody else has any authority or backbone to straighten these things out that just shows how insane it is chris final comment on that well, yeah, they are establishing precedents. If they can uh, censor her, who can't they censor, Sam? Good point. That is the quintessential point. Mike Pence says in 2024, we'll have better choices than the Donald. We'll talk about that and then get into the news that it was refused to use for today in seconds. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine. 
the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Decades after Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden picked up where he left off with America surrendering to terrorists. Biden's foolish spending is causing inflation, which means more pain at the pump, higher prices on groceries, devaluing your retirement savings when you need it most. Once was a mistake, twice is a disaster. America needs strong leaders, not weak ones. Save America JFC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. Chris Carlson, yours truly on the radio, ladies and gentlemen. So Mike Pence made this point right before the break. He says, listen, Donald announced his candidacy, but you know what? There's going to be better choices than the Donald for 2024. Your response to that, Chris? Oh, yeah. And like we were talking about over the break, Sam, uh, in the 2016 election, I haven't checked the 2020 presidential election. There were 1,162 presidential candidates. Now, what are the odds? of at least a handful of those being better than the choices that the media presents to us on a day-to-day basis on our TVs. Uh, the odds are astronomically high, of course. The reason that we don't know about them is that we think that the filter of the media always gives us the best and brightest options, which is not true. They give us the option that the big bankers that control the media want us to think are available and are the, the best and brightest. So we need to do our own research. Look at the Constitution Party candidates. They usually always feel candidates that are head and shoulders above the Democrat and Republican candidate, Sam. So I agree with Mike Pence. He's probably not thinking about the Constitution Party or any of those other uh, uh, minor parties out there. So, yeah, I agree with them. But it well, has I, agree, I agree with them as well. I agree with them as well, and there's several nuanced discussions to this. Number one, I know a lot of great people that are that are George Washington esque. I believe Dr. Bradley's one of them. Uh, I believe there's a lot of very sound constitutional Americans. Chris Carlson, with me right now, uh, is one of them. I think there's a lot of great people. Very few of them actually run for office. Is part of the problem. The other part of the problem is even if they do run for office, they lack funding, and they lack 
ground troop, or if you will, organization. In order to win an election, you've got to have enough money and or enough ground troop support. Uh, or both. A combination of both is really the best. You can do uh, do it with less money than the other guy for sure. You can do it with less troops on the ground than the other guy. And you can do it with b- less of both. But you know what? Both have to be there in a significant way. You can circumvent the mainstream press. But out of those 1,100-plus candidates you mentioned in 2016, I may have had five or six of them on the radio is all. Yeah. And it's not because I'm not willing to have them on. It's because I don't know about them. I would have to hunt them down, find them, vet them, get familiar with what they're you know, proposing or who they are and what the details are just to even put them on. Uh, and so, you know, we can't blame the media for it all. I think the media is part of the problem without question. Uh, funding is part of the problem, and we b- lay that directly to the, at the feet of the American people. Uh, and or the groundswell or support on the ground. Uh, you know, you get volunteers from Mitt Romney way more than if I ran for president. If I ran for president, number one, the media wouldn't touch me. Number two, I couldn't get any money fundraising. I mean, I'd have five bucks in my campaign coffer. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to put in more money than anybody else put in, or I wouldn't get anywhere. I- and third, there'd be, no, there'd be no ground troop support for me whatsoever either. Okay, so that's kind of the part of the problem. And I'll give you a quick example to make the point. I literally went to a delegate event for the Republican Party one time. And that was probably, I don't know, 60 people in the room maybe. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, I was there, and um, I just kind of laid back and let things go. Then they're like, we need one more delegate. We need one more delegate. And I raised my hand. And they said, okay, Sam Bushman, you're in the rounds for a delegate. And there looked like to be decent support for me out of those 60 people. Maybe, I don't know, I don't know the number, but enough to where I could probably be a delegate. We're ready to support me. Well, then what happened is there, they, one guy gets on the phone. He literally calls another guy that's on vacation in Hawaii. He literally says, listen, Sam Bushman is about to become a delegate. We cannot let that happen. Will you become a delegate from Hawaii? And the guy said yes. And they literally put him on speakerphone and said, this guy can't be here um, because he's in Hawaii, but he wants to be the delegate. Long story short, I did not become the delegate. That delegate, that guy did. Yeah. Yeah, the stack now, is you definitely. Can, you can say that's yeah. fraud. You can say that's whatever you want to. But number one, I had if I had enough overwhelming support, even if that guy jumped in, I still could have won, right? Oh, but yeah. there was not enough support for me. They will use every trick in the book to shut it down. So, you know, if I can't even be a delegate in my local precinct, yeah, what is the likelihood right. that point. I could be a governor, a senator, a, a county commissioner? A what? The answer is very, very, very slim. Now, if we could get out the, the, the vote, we could put advertising together through the media. Uh, we could put together a campaign, you know, education about who I really am, about my experience in the political realm, about my constitutional um, I don't know what you want to say, uh, expertise, my, my ability to speak on the Constitution that's happened for decades, et cetera, et cetera, um, that I'm a constitutional scholar. If the word could get out appropriately, and if there was enough people on the ground to knock on doors for me, and it's not saying that I don't have any ability to win whatsoever, but I'm telling you, without those fundamental basics, it's literally impossible to win. So much so that my former co-host, Kurt Crosby, he used to run what are called stealth campaigns. And what he said was, hey, if you uh, promote yourself, the other guy will promote themselves. And all you're in now is a money fest, a slug financial fest, a fest for, uh, you know, who's got the most money, who's got the most media, who's got the most. 
So he always ran what he called stealth campaigns. And his idea was maybe I could just slip under the radar with a stealth campaign. Maybe enough people will just at the polls put me in. And I always said it won't work. Well, his response is it works better than me going into a ton of debt when nobody supports me. And at the end, I'm saddled with a ton of debt and I still lose. Well, it's hard to argue against his point either. I digress, except for I want to make that point, folks. Look, it's very hard. And if you look at the national campaign stage, people who have household names or people who the media could build a household name for uh, that are running on the Republican ticket and or presidential ticket, they are far and few between. So who do you think might be running on the national stage for 2024 that might have name recognition and, and might actually get it done? I think that Rand Paul, Ron Paul, were the two closest and they had no yeah. chance in heck to win because oh, no. the people don't support them. No, they don't uh, because the media treats them as if they're radioactive and the people respond accordingly. And that's very sad. I, I do just the opposite, of course. So I, I wrote Ron Paul in as a, as a presidential candidate, I think in 2008 when he lost the nomination. Um, you could always do that, a write-in candidate. Yes, I'm voting for my county sheriff, by the way. I don't believe Mike Smith is constitutional, so I wrote in Sheriff Richard Mack. <laughs> yeah. That's a, you know, and then your your hands are clean. And then you, you, you can sleep well at night. You know that you did your duty You because my criteria are good, honest, and wise. Those, those three criteria have to be satisfied. And nine times out of ten, the Democratic or Republican candidate doesn't even qualify on two of those counts. Sometimes three. Donald Trump, I don't think, satisfies um, all three of them. Yeah, and to so the vote fraud scenario, the idea that we have a Republican and a Democratic Party, two private organizations that literally control access to the ballot box and control access to uh, not only the ballot box for candidates, but the ballot box for who I can vote for and anything else, that alone is election fraud if you want to get technical about it, Chris. Yeah, yeah I agree. So is there anybody on the national stage with decent name recognition that could possibly be on the ballot that we could really seriously vote for? Uh, Rand and Ron Paul are the only two that I can think of. Um, the other, t anybody else, yeah. you know, the Bush family, no. I don't, I don't um, know if any, or I don't know if either of those two people will even be throwing their hat into the ring for 2024. I know that, for example, uh, Rand uh, was 2016, but I don't think he ran in 2020, right? No, he did not. All right. So I don't know anybody who will be on the ballot that's really worth voting for that has a real chance. Now, I agree with you that I can vote knowing my candidate will lose, but also knowing that I'm not responsible for the win or loss of a candidate. I'm responsible for voting for a good, honest, wise person. I can do that, and that's good, and I think there'll be plenty of people on the ballot to make that happen. But I don't think there'll be anybody on the ballot to go against Mike Pence's point. I don't think there'll be anybody on the ballot that's a good, honest, wise person that I could vote for that has a chance or a prayer in winning. And you could say, well, God always, you know, we can always trust in God and there's always a prayer for someone to win. Yes, but you got to be realistic about it as well. You know, if you have no media game, if you have no money game and you have no ground organization game, that was the difference between Ron Paul in 2028 and 2012. In 2008, Ron didn't have any ground game and he really lost big. In 2012, he actually gave them a run for their money and made a lot of difference. Because he had organized over that last four years, campaign for liberty, um, you know, young Americans for liberty, you know, all these organizations that Ron put in place really made a tremendous difference. 
And so I think it's possible, yeah. but not without gearing up, not without putting the principal elements in place of a real campaign. You don't have a prayer to win. And I love That's God right. and think God can do anything he wants to, but I don't think God will deliver such a, 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 a miracle victory uh, to an immoral people. That's the reason that I don't have a lot of confidence in it. Chris. And that's the key. We have to be a moral and a, a religious people, and we, we are neither at this point. We were. Uh, when I was a kid, I think we're pretty close, but we were fading fast when I was a kid. Donald Obama, Seven Lies and Counting, coming up. Chris Carlson on the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. Attorney General Merrick Garland appointed former Justice Department official Jack Smith to the role of special counsel to investigate the entirety of the criminal probe into the retention of presidential records held at Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Smith will also oversee the DOJ's investigation into the Capitol riot on January 6, 2021. Elon Musk says the decision hasn't been made on whether to reinstate former President Trump's Twitter account. This comes as employees of Twitter are resigning in large numbers after Musk issued an ultimatum that they need to commit to a hardcore work environment. The Twitter CEO also announced negative and hate tweets will be buried. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. One day after lawyers confirmed that U.S. basketball star Brittany Griner had been transferred to a penile colony outside Moscow, Russia, reiterated its openness to a prison exchange with the United States involving notorious criminal arms dealer Victor Bout. The fate of Brittany Griner, who was arrested on drug charges in a Moscow airport days before Russia invaded Ukraine, has been intertwined within a tug of war between Moscow and Washington. U.S. officials have accused Russia of using Griner and other Americans in Russian custody as bargaining chips. The U.S. Department of Transportation announced that six airlines will be forced to pay $622 million in passenger refunds and $7.25 million in penalties. Between June and August, over 45,000 flights were canceled. This is USA Radio News. Let's see, something costs less, but people are happier with it? That sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch. Too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. 
Very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need, 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE, 833-34-BIBLE. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right, Chris Carlson with me, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump just announced he's running for president way, way early. He literally assaulted DeSantis verbally while doing so. I think that's a bad start if you want unity. I know we can't be united on everything because we disagree on a lot of things, but we certainly could be civil. Donald tossed that out the window when he was born, I guess. Sad tale, but true. Uh, Our prayers are that Donald can uh, start to lead by humility and leadership, but I I don't see it. Uh, Donald uh, has a very unique history. And let's talk about Donald Obama. Why are we saying Donald Obama, Chris? Well, during uh, the Donald Trump presidency, I, I was giving advice to the Democrats. You know they wanted to impeach him. And I said, well, why don't you impeach him on the basis of the fact that he's in violation of the 25th Amendment, which says that you can only run uh, for two terms of the president. And he's obviously running as proxy for uh, President Obama's third term of president because he's doing exactly what uh, President Obama was doing for his eight years in the presidency. So he's actually serving as proxy for the Democrat uh, President Barack Obama, <laughs> and people laugh because, you know, they can't deny the fact that he spent more money, he outspent uh, Barack Obama, uh, he, he he didn't get rid of any of the federal cabinet-level agencies, and he basically ran the country like a Democrat. So that's why they call him uh, Donald Obama. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the seven lies. Uh, one of the biggest things that I find in common with Barack and the Donald, are they, they were both very divisionary presidents. We didn't have near the divide in America, and we certainly didn't have somebody hammering an axe in the wedge, so to speak, to increase the divide. Until Obama came. You know, he was supposedly the first black president. Never mind that he's as white as he is black, right? Well, no, mm-hmm. Sam, if you look at him, his skin's black. Because you're blind, you don't know. No, no, no. He had a white mom and a black dad, and therefore he's half and half. Don't play games with me on visuals. I'm talking DNA, people. And I'm telling you right now, get on the radio, and we'll discuss DNA, because I know more about it than most folks, and we'll just have a good time talking about that. Um, you know. But anyway, I, I digress, except to say he's as much white as he is black, but he was considered the first black president, uh, and he had very uh, divisionary realities based on that. Uh, but Donald just continued to hammer, to throw his axe at that wedge uh, that Obama started. And that's the biggest similarity between the two that I see. Both of them also, along with former presidents, we get continually more and more and more presidential executive action via executive order. We're not going to look at the three branches of government. We're not going to divide power. We're just going to concentrate power unto ourselves. So if you want my opinion, those are kind of the biggest um, reasons that we could say Donald Obama. Uh, one, the divisive nature. Two, the misuse of presidential authority and power. Some would call it overreach, but I think that's too soft of a term. I would say the belligerent, flagrant disregard uh, for the separations of powers in the greatest country on the face of the earth. But with that, let's start with the seven lies. Okay, so the, and these are quotes directly from his um, presidential announcement speech on Tuesday, last Tuesday. 
that he made. And it was a brilliant speech in terms of his confidence and his sense of, um, of I, I guess, the aura that he uh, emanates from him. And I think he's a great uh, speaker. Uh, if you translate or you transcribe his speech into words, everything is grammatically incorrect. <laughs> it, it's hard to understand what he's saying because you don't have the um, the advantage of the intonations and body language, et cetera. But anyway, he said, here's the first slide. So he says, in four short uh, years, everyone was thriving. He's talking about his uh, four-year presidency. Was Everyone was thriving like never before, you know, how he likes to brag about himself. And then he says inflation was non-existent. Um, we were at zero. But actually, the best number is 1%. So he goes, he's all over the board here. So he first he says inflation was non-existent, and then later on he says we were at zero, but actually the best number is 1%. You know that. You don't want really zero, but at zero. We actually got into exactly 1% So what is he is he saying zero or one percent here? He's basically uh, trying he to on. fudge the numbers so that nobody could say that he lied or nobody could pin him down to a number. And what he's trying to do is hammer zero in your mind so you believe there's no inflation under the Donald. But then he admits to there was a little bit, and then he kind of hints that a little bit's good. But either way, I'm in the I'm in the perfect zone. Yeah, Donald's in the perfect zone is kind of the the vague inference that you know what I did better than everybody else. I'm acknowledging there's inflation, so that those who claim there's not, hey, I already acknowledge that there is some, but not enough to matter, virtually zero. And so he's 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 wiggling on purpose. He's very intelligent, believe it or not. Uh, and he's wiggling on this on purpose so that you can't criticize him. If you say he said there was no inflation, well, he, he virtually made that point, but he said there was 1%, Chris. If you say he said there was inflation, then it's, well, it's not enough inflation to matter compared to the clowns that are running us off the road here. So, so any way you argue about it, Donald's got a position he can take to uh, put himself in the good, good, the hot seat, the good seat, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, and then, yeah, he goes on to repeat himself a couple of different times. So I thought I'd look up uh, under the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they, they calculate inflation, as you know, Sam. And we know that it's um, it's manipulated downward all the time because of the way they do it. it it's not um, – and I don't know. Joel Skousen would be able to articulate you know, how they manipulate it down a little better than I do. But I know they do manipulate it down. So inflation is actually higher than what the Bureau of Labor Statistics is telling us. Yeah, and the no. big reason is because they've changed the the measuring stick. They used to use certain measurements yeah. and certain details, and they either switch to different details to measure, or they change the way the definitions work uh, so that it, it makes it sound like it's accurate. And it is accurate, except for um, it's not accurate in terms of the way that it used to be measured. And so if I start talking to you about inches and then later I switch to centimeters, uh, then at the end of the day, things just aren't measured properly. Well, you can't say my measurements aren't true, but you also can't say that they're accurate uh, according to. And so it's a bait and switch program. It's a dishonest way to make you believe things are the same year over year uh, when they're not. So if I change the def let's just give one quick example to make the point. What is the average price of gas? Oh, yeah, yeah. Versus and then the other term is the median common price mode. of gas. Then average is you take all the prices, total them up, and divide. That would be an average. If you totaled them all up and then you figured half was above and half below, that would be the median. The but median, if I say what's yeah. the most common price of gas, the then I can kind of come back and say, hey, 
you know what? Most people are buying gas at this price. It doesn't matter what the average or the median is. All three of those statistics, the point is, will give you different numbers. Well, if I were to refer to one for decades and then switch to another and not really tell you or make a point of it, but give you different numbers, you would believe it's different. So we used to say, what's the average price of a gallon of gasoline? Four bucks. Great. Wow, that's kind of high. Yeah, but you know what? The most common price is only three bucks. See? The most common price of gas is three bucks. We're doing great. Well, again, we just switched the term. That's what's going on, but it's a lot more complicated in all the different uh, details of the economy. Uh, but that, that's, I submit to you, illustrates uh, the point you're making, Chris. Exactly. So, you know, based on Trump's statements, I thought I'd look up uh, under the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Sam, the actual uh, government official recorded uh, inflation rates for, those, for the three years that Donald Trump was president. And in 2020, it was 1.23%. So that's pretty close to 1%. But... In 2019, See, I wouldn't say up- so, though. 1.23, that's that's almost a quarter, a point higher. That's a lot of difference, by the way. Well, yeah, it is. Well, and then they just gets worse. So in, in 20 to, 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 to 20, oh, I'm going backwards. That was 2020. So let's we're going backwards. So 1.8% in 2019, 2.44% in 2018, and then 2.11. So it averages 7. Five nine over the four year period. If you divide that by four to get the annual average, only one point nine percent. So right, but if I say the most common, the most common, then all I got to do is expand the expand the window, and I can Uh then I can make it. Or you know, all I got to do is play games with statistics and eventually figure out what number sounds the best and use that one. And I can switch back and forth without really clearly identifying which one I'm using, and that makes it even more complex. That's what they're doing consistently with a lot of these numbers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you, just like uh, Samuel Clemens says, there's lies, dang lies, and statistics. <laughs> the statistics there you have it. <laughs> All right. Statistics are where I can make you feel good about what I'm saying or oh, yeah. make you feel bad about what I'm saying. Never mind the truth. All right. Um, that, so number one big lie, hey, he claimed there was really no inflation when he was going on. Uh, and now the inflation's out of control, right? Uh-huh. So that's that's lie number one. But I would like to, to uh, point something out at this point. So you would think that under a conservative president for four years that if we had close to zero inflation, hey, Sam, right? Guys, thanks. Go ahead. You you would think that under a conservative president, Sam, if, if we have uh, nearly 0% inflation year to year, that the budget would not increase under a conservative president. And for the first two years, by the way, remember we had a conservative Congress in both the House and Senate. So you would think that the the, uh, annual budget would be near zero, right, just to keep up with the slight inflation that we do have. I ran the numbers. You would be astonished at how much the budget increased during the four years of Donald Trump's presidency, Sam. You want to hear these numbers? First yeah, of all, I think, I think it increased literally from basically almost twenty million to almost thirty million under the Donald by about one th- or trillion. I'm sorry, almost one third. It did. In fact, it doubled between. Okay, so I'm going back to 2015. I, I realize I'm dipping into um, Barack Obama's presidency, but if you if you go back to 2015 and then advance forward to 2020, that's a short uh, six year period of time, right? Our federal yes, budget doubled, and most of that increase occurred under Donald Trump's presidency. 
It doubled. Yeah, so Donald, I looked up these numbers one time. Under Donald, it increased about by a third, just so you know. By a third. Okay, yeah. Cause about. I, yep. I just, yeah, I just went back far enough to where I could say it doubled, and that was back to 2015. So I guess it's a five. I said six. Five years, it doubled, and most of that doubling, but that, yeah, the third of it was during Donald Trump's presidency. Um, so we increased our budget uh, 3.2% in Donald Trump's first year. The, the budget increased 3.2%. It increased 3.1% in his second year. And then listen to this, 7.6% increase over the previous year during Donald Trump's third year of presidency, and then 7.1% during his last year of presidency. Does that sound conservative to you? I thought we were supposed to be shrinking government, Sam. But under his yeah, presidency. Yeah, not even close. Yeah. So, and I, I didn't include that as a lie, but I added that on to the inflation. All right, nineteen point uh, nine trillion when he started, and twenty-seven point seven trillion when he ended. So, like I said, about one third uh, of the number. It's huge. We yeah, added seven point well, seven three trillion dollars in debt under the Donald, and if it started out at nineteen, seven trillion is a little bit more than a third. Some say it's thirty-seven percent. Partly the debate is how you calculate it. I'm sticking with a humble one-third. I think you're talking about the debt. I think we're talking about apples and oranges here, Sam. We're talking about the national debt. Okay, so I was talking about the budget. Did I not say the budget? I think you said the budget, yes. But I want to compare it to the national debt because, listen carefully, we can play games with budgets. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Because all we got to do is increase debt and claim it's not part of the budget, or we can do this and we can do that, and definitions are all important. So when you say budget, they can put things in a different budget, just so you know. And then does that count? And let me tell you where I learned this. I used to audit local school districts, government school districts. And they would tell me that it only costs like $8,000 to put a kid in school. And I thought, wow, okay. But then I learned that they don't have the buses or the buildings or the this or the that. And that's not really student education, don't you know? That's infrastructure, Chris. So it's a different budget. (laughs) Ha-ha. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, you're talking about yeah. budgets, but I'm talking about the overall effect of what game playing might do in the end of the day. Whatever money you took in, whatever money you did at the end of the day, he literally increased our deficit by over one third. Oh, yes. Yes. And, and the statistic that I often cite, Sam, is that during the, the four short years of Donald Trump's presidency, he racked up more debt than the first 42 presidents of our nation combined. For the first 200 years of our nation's existence, we didn't rack up as much debt as Donald Trump and Congress. I got to give them just as much, if not more, credit for this as, uh, as, as he racked up in four short years. Four short years compared to 200 years. Think about that, Sam. That's pretty significant. So lie number, you ready to move on to lie? Actually, he, he he said something was true. You want to hear that real quick? Yes, sir. America achieved, America achieved energy independence during his presidency, and I will give him credit for that. You know, I don't want it, people to think that I'm just piling on Trump, that I have something personal against him. I don't have anything personal against the man. I do have something personal in favor of our country. I want to save America. So it's nothing Well, you personal. have something in common with him. What's that? Neither of you drink beer. Oh, good for him. There you go. There's another thing I can say positive about him. I'm not out to, to attack people personally, as you, you are not either, Sam. It's, it's not a personal thing. I love the man as a Christian brother. 
Okay, I want to make that very clear. So when people approach me and say, well, do you like Trump? I'm like, okay, let, let's evaluate the question that you just asked me. Do I like him as, a, as an individual? Sure, if I you know, went golfing or fishing with him, I'm sure we'd probably have a great time. But that's beside the point. I'm not going to vote for somebody as a president who doesn't demonstrate competency as a constitutionalist. And, and that's why I didn't vote for him. So it's nothing personal. That's, I guess that's the point I'm trying to make here. Um, so I will give him credit for achieving energy independence. That, that was one thing that he said during his announcement speech that I, that I agree with. And I wish we could go to back to that energy independence. And I hope eventually, maybe, who knows? Who knows where we're headed in this country? I'm, pre- I'm hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. Okay, so you ready for line number two? Yes, so sir. he said, and, and this is debatable because the wording, you know, could be interpreted in many different ways. So he said, for the first time in history, China was reeling and back on its heels. China was paying billions and billions in tariffs, and maybe they were. But you would think that that would translate, Sam, into China and America's trade deficit balancing out a little bit. So what I did is I ran the numbers and I compared the trade deficit that we had with China during the last four years of Barack Obama's presidency and then compared that <clears throat> with the trade deficit we had with China during the uh, Donald Trump presidency. And guess what I discovered? We had a greater trade deficit with China in the four years under Donald Trump than we did under Barack Obama. So our trade deficit worsened. Yes, but let Donald me explain Trump. a government thing for you that you don't understand. And so he's telling the truth if you accept the government way of doing business as opposed to a normal person's way of doing business. Let me explain. If I spend a dollar, that's a dollar. If I spend okay. $2, that's $2. Mm-hmm. To you, $2 is more than $1. Mm-hmm. And to me, it is too. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not playing games here. To me, $2 is more than $1. But understand this. If we are projected to spend $3, if we are projected to spend $3, and I only spend $2, then, buddy, I saved you a ton of money, buddy. Now, the fact that I Mm -hmm. spent $2 instead of $1 is not relevant in government reference world. Okay. So you got to understand that I saved you a ton of money, Chris. Now, I'm not saying I agree with that definition. I'm telling you that's the definition that government uses. And that's why when Rand Paul wants to use the penny savings plan, he says instead of spending a dollar, let's spend 99 cents, which seems to you and me like, come on, that's nothing. They'll never do it because they projected $3. And when he wants to spend 99 cents and hold them to fact, they're not even going to consider it, not even the most conservative of the Republicans, except for Rand Paul. So, see, that's the game they play, and that's what I mean by these different budgets and these different things. But in the end of the day, the deficit tells all. How much do you owe in the deficit? Say $30 trillion. How much do you owe if you count unfunded liabilities north of $150 trillion? Okay, that's why I use that number, because you really can't fudge it. Unless you lie and don't, don't admit to the whole debt. Yeah, exactly. And that's a little consolation to families that are on fixed budgets, for example. I mean, it, it, well, I saved you a lot of money. Just remember that. <laughs> yeah. You know, See? my standard of living keeps going down, down, down. But, hey, I still saved you a lot of money, right? Well, it's better yeah, than it's it was out of like... the other guy. Yeah. See how I play that game, <laughs> too? Go. See? That, and and I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to disagree with you as much as I'm trying to illustrate 
what we're dealing with, ladies and gentlemen. Chris is right on this. Obama did spend less money than Donald, but both of them spent more money than the previous president, and so on and so on, regardless of whether they're a donkey or an elephant. Yeah, and if it's any consolation on on the course we're we're headed now, uh, Joe Biden will exceed both of them, probably combined. (laughs) Well, maybe not that bad, but... And you want to know why? Why? Because the fiat money system requires it. Remember, whenever you get involved in a Ponzi scheme, it takes faster and faster and faster, run around the barn action, rob Peter to pay Paul, rob Peter to pay Paul. You got to go faster and faster and faster, and you got to expand the system, or it will absolutely collapse. They have no choice unless they face the music. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. Good point. Very, very good point. So I did, and then the overall trade deficit under Donald Trump compared to Barack Obama's last four years in office again, there was an increase. So I guess the USMCA trade agreement that Donald Trump bragged about, you know, he's the greatest negotiator in the world. I guess it didn't pan out the way he, he uh, promised that it would, Sam. Well, it depends on how you uh, accept my promise. Yeah, no, it's all, like right. you said, it's all relative. So let me explain. Since World War II, we've expanded, expanded, expanded the economy, and Americans have had the, the greatest false prosperity era the world has ever known. How are you yep. telling me I'm not successful? Yep, no, Look, you're right. Look, if you right. compare against the 40s and 50s, they were lucky to have one car, a lot of families. Now every family's got three and three TVs and everything else. I am the mother of prosperity. I mean, are you really trying to say that's not true? Well, see, it all well, depends on your definition of prosperity. If you want to borrow yourself into fiat money and have a debt-based economy, it's rocking. If you want to have an asset-based economy based on real money, real assets, um, the Bible calls it honest weights and measures. I call it honest money. Um, then we failed miserably, as you wisely point out. But it all depends on the yardstick, sir. Yeah. Well, during the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, it was due to the fact that, number one, we were a productive nation. That's number one. Number two, we still had our dollar backed by gold. It was in 1971, as we have often discussed, that 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 went away. But we went quickly over to the petrodollar at that point. And that's why we've we've had this false prosperity for these last uh, 50-some years because of the the fact that our our money is, is backed by oil instead of gold. And if Saudi Arabia, which is, is looking to join uh, the BRICS nations decides that they're going to do away with that agreement that we've uh, been re- doing our business on for the last 50 years, Sam. Bye-bye goes the petrodollar, and then we really will realize how um, how unstable our monetary system is. Hey, Amen. I couldn't agree more. How many lies do we get through? Two of them? We're, yeah, we're through two. Num- number three, I... So hold on, hold on. What? So I'm glad we got through two of them, and I'm glad we've got a whole other hour to double down on these points. And let's be very clear before the end of the hour, ladies and gentlemen. When we compared Donald to Barack, I don't want you to think that we're telling you Barack's better or that we think Barack did a better job or any of those things because we don't. I think Trump did in many ways a better job than Barack Obama. Uh, but the facts are facts. Just because Donald spent more, every president's going to be forced to spend more or call a halt to the con game. That's the way fiat money works. Okay, but I don't want you to get any idea that we're praising Barack over the Donald. That's not the point, right, Chris? No, sir. No, 
um, you know, I don't, I haven't voted for either a Democrat or a Republican. Like I, people are getting tired of hearing me say this for 22 years. So I, you know, I'm not on board with either of the two major political parties, Sam. So yeah, no. and neither am I. Although I did vote for Mike Lee this time. I, yeah, and I did not. I couldn't get myself to because his score, it's an open book test. He's got access to the Constitution, and he knows it backwards and forwards. And yet his score was under 100%. I would have given him credit if it was 98%, but it was 90 I think his, his uh, conservative uh, index score was like 95 I think 96 was his latest one or something. 96, yeah. But, but either anyway. way, though, I, and I chalk that up, too. There's a difference of opinion on things, even though you're a constitutionalist. Sometimes, number two, sometimes you vote for things holding your nose that you don't want to. Uh, even the founding fathers, to get the Constitution, a few of them felt like they had to hold their nose to get the, even the Constitution <laughs> ratified, et cetera. So I give a little bit of window for that. If you're below, say, 90-plus percent, and if you're consistently below 90 5% I get concerned, but I do give a little bit of wiggle room because I wonder if I were there doing the very best I could based on the way things are interpreted or based on the way things are isolated for vote counts sometimes doesn't tell the whole picture. Um, so I'm not trying to get Mike Lee off the hook, and I'm not telling you that he's perfect. I'm just telling you that there are nuances, and I wonder if I was up there what score I would get. I think you would get 100% because I would probably be um, one of your – <clears throat> one of your aides, and I would say uh, one of my Dan. advisors. Yeah, but but all I'm saying okay. is that even if you and I and everybody else think something, it might come back that a vote looks different for whatever reason that we didn't consider. We're yeah. human, or all I'm telling you is it's it sounds easy, but uh, even in the best tests, sometimes you miss one or two or three or whatever because you're human, uh, and because they look at it differently than you do. And if you heard their rationale, you might agree, or you might say no. But here's my rationale, and then they might go, oh, you know what? Good point. Or whatever. So there's some nuances there that we got to be, be careful of. I'm, I'm, I'm for 100% too, complete fidelity. But I'm also for realizing that people can interpret things differently and all that kind of stuff. When we get back, we're going to talk more about this, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about Donald Obama or Barack Trump, whatever you want to call it. Is there really a lot of difference between the two? And some would say yes. Many of us would say mm, not so fast. There might be a difference in delivery and behavior and some of those things, but day in and day out, their policies are strikingly similar. If you don't believe me, just go look at what they call Operation Warp Speed for vaccines and then forcing them down the throat of the American people without a lot of opposition from either of them to make the point. All right, hour one in the can, hour two coming up. God save the republic. Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network refused to use. No doubt continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the nineteenth in the year of our Lord, two thousand and twenty-two. This is our two of two, and the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property to promote God, family, and country 
on your radio. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. Two-hour incredible broadcast. Chris Carlson with me all the way. (laughs) And we're talking about Donald Obama, seven lies and counting. Uh, And this (laughs) has been literally the one-line topic for the whole first hour, and we've only got through two of the lies. There's five more. Number three, Chris. This is a direct quote. He says, I've gone decades, decades. I don't know why he said decades. <laughs> he only served for four years without a war. I will I will keep America out of foolish and unnecessary foreign wars, just as I did for four straight years. Okay, now he says so stop. four straight years. No, 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 stop. Yes. That's how you lie. Okay, let me explain to you. Okay. We haven't really been in a war for decades, right? Um, we, Hold on. What do you, what do you mean? We haven't you been here. in a war. Okay, no, you're going to trap me. we haven't me. been in a war for decades. We haven't? Oh, oh, no. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. De- declared war by Congress. There That's you right. Go. We haven't been in one for decades. So just so okay. you know, though, I, I mean, I, you know, for four years I haven't been in one. So I, you're saying I'm lying? I told you it was four years, Chris. Yeah, well, no, if you don't declare them, then I guess they're not really wars. They're conflicts. That's right. You can call them whatever That's you want. You can and call I've them gone decades as an American. Haven't, haven't you gone decades as an American, Chris? Well, what was the question? Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what you Well, you've gone decades without being in a war, too, haven't you, Chris? Oh, okay. You're yeah, an American. Personally, you, 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 yeah, see? I've never, yeah, never been in the military, so I guess I wouldn't. I well, mean, neither have Donald. Info war. See? Yeah. I'm just showing you how we're going to use these fuzzy wordings to put viewpoints in your mind that are not factual, but that are true kind of a thing, right? He didn't lie. Right, right, right. See? Okay. I know we're playing games, and that is your point, and you're right. I'm doing this not to to uh, rebuff that statement. I'm doing it to highlight how in Donald's mind and, and what he's putting into the minds and hearts of people. He's wanting you to believe no, that it's right. been peaceful. And he's going to take credit for all those decades. Although he's going to tell you that he's only really responsible for four years. So, see, try to trap him in that, and you can't. Yeah, technically. See? And um, and then uh, uh, this this is actually, um, you know, that's verifiable. What you just said is, I mean, technically it's true. But then I asked the question, then why do we have 130 uh, troops what do we have troops in 130 countries and 737 military bases on foreign soil? You know, if, if you're such a peace loving person, <clears throat> you know, why, why do those statistics exist? And of course, there's peace through aggression. Peace Another through aggression. lie. And we have to, we have to, okay. Yeah, no, there's, there's, but you can't deny the peace in the wake of the results, right, Chris? I mean, you well, don't even know war your whole life, and you're over 50 years old, buddy. You've never known real war, have you? See? And that, and that, therein lies the problem, Sam. I mean, most Americans have lived peaceful lives all their lives, you know, for however long they've been here. They don't Including realize. Donald, that, and he's 80 years old, right? And he, yeah, I guess he is up to, is he 80? So he's as old as Joe Biden. I'm trying I think to he's think. a little he's bit younger old. than Joe. I'll have to look up how old he is exactly, but, you know. No, he's, well taken, he's, right? exa- he's exactly 20 years older than my brother. My brother is 56, so that would, he's only 76, Sam. Oh, he's just a kid. Uh, he's just, yeah, he's just a whippersnapper compared to our current commander-in-chief, right? 
Anyway, right, so, so and then of course the 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 glaring question is what about Afghanistan? What about Yemen? What about Iraq? We still have troops over there. Is that technically a war? Well, it hasn't been declared like we pointed out earlier, but um anyway, I don't like it because there are people being oppressed, there are people being if if people are free, why do you have to have uh troops in their country? We have troops in Germany. Is 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 Germany really free today? I mean, it, obviously that's an an extreme example, but um I mean that that I don't even have to explain the fact that we have all of these troops in all of these countries and war is raging, for example, in Yemen and Afghanistan. I mean, there are people dying. I think things have settled down since we've withdrawn our troops, but I mean, there were, there were constantly um, targeted killings over there, even when our troops were there. So anyway, that that's pretty much self-evident that, that, that we've gone decades without a war. He shouldn't have said that, but he did. And, and people support him because they want to believe that he's a, He's a peaceful man and a peaceful president, which is not true. Line number four, he said, I made big promises to the American people. And unlike other presidents, I kept my promises. I'm like, really? What about lock her up? What about build the wall? What about we're going to open up those libel laws and sue them and get. Hold on. Stop, 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 stop. In his speech, he said he built the wall. That's right. Yes. What are you talking about? He already built it, my friend. You just don't know (laughs) about it, sir. Well, yeah. Well, according to uh, Rick Wilde... Listen, have you been down on the border? That's right. How, how do you verify mm-hmm. that? You'd have to have an airplane, you gotta I guess, go, right? Well, you either have to have an airplane or you got to go ahead and, and um, walk, you know, get down to the border and then walk over 1,000 miles along the border to see. Yeah, well, I think it's 1,800, 1,700, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me know what you find, Chris. See? Anyway... Um, it's that's very yeah, according to Rick Wiles. According to Rick Wiles, Donald Trump only built 15 miles of new wall. Now, it's hard to verify these things, Sam, because one people, some people are saying one thing and another group of people are saying the other. According to Rick Wiles, and I tend to agree with most of what he says, his research is pretty impeccable. He said that Donald Trump only built 15 miles of brand new wall. The other 400 that he claimed to build. Uh, or 365, something like that, is he repaired old wall. So do you really count that? As yeah, I just, well, I just want you to define wall for me first, sir, because we can talk about different kinds of walls and different heights of walls, and we can talk about virtual walls and, you know. It, kind of yeah. tough there, Chris. Yeah. It's, it's really a moving target, so it's hard to verify. But as know, long as we finish this conversation, as long as you know that I built the wall, that we're good, right? But people emotionally, they, they glam onto that, Sam, because they want to believe that they have somebody in a position of power like Donald Trump, who's a viable candidate, who is on their side. They want to believe it so badly that they're willing to overlook the verifiable untruths that he utters on a regular basis. They're, they're, they're willing to excuse him, and I won't. I won't do that because I love my country too much. So that's another verifiable uh, line. That's number four. Uh, number five. Uh, inflation, and this is similar to the, the lie he told previously about inflation, but it's, it's a little different. Inflation is higher than it's been in 50 years. <clears throat> okay. I did my research, and in 1979, 1980, and 1981, Sam, 
between the Carter and Reagan years, inflation was 11.25%, 13.255, and 10.33% respectively. And that's higher right. than the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Okay, but go remember ahead. We got, but remember, we got to talk about <clears throat> opinions here. So a lot of the okay. financial experts are saying inflation is double what your government's reporting. Okay, and I'm I'm I don't know if it's double. It's it's certainly well, higher Joel than Scalzi the Bureau of Labor it's double. So uh, what you got to ask always... yourself now is maybe Donald's going with those numbers and he's right. <laughs> okay. See? That's true. But if that's the case, then back in 1979 through 81, they were nope, probably... No, we've changed the way we do the statistics, my friend. Oh, 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 okay. oh. We can't so he, talk about that. You're, so maybe maybe um, Donald Trump is reading Joel Skousen's brief. Maybe that's what true. this is all about. <laughs> I wish yeah, he'd so come out and telling, say that. I mean, Donald, and if really the facts come out, Donald's quoting you more real numbers than anybody else is, isn't he? Yeah, in a roundabout yeah, way, see. he's actually accurate. Good, du- good dude, old Donald. See what I mean? There you go. Yeah. Okay, folks, the bottom line, though, is nobody's uh, admitting the real inflation, and no one's pointing to the real cause of the inflation. So debating what the inflation number is is one thing, but pointing to the cause and how to stop it is an entirely different discussion. One has blame game in, in the heart of it. The other one has solutions, right? If you blame the, the inflation, then we're going to debate the numbers and what metrics we're going to use for the numbers and facts versus fiction versus that's one thing what if i come back to you and say the reason we have the belligerent inflation that we always have had since 1913 when we put in dishonest money and jettisoned constitutional currency we put constitution currency on the yeet as we do abortions yeet the baby yeet the fetus yeet the money uh, then it doesn't matter the debate the blame game the fact is you'll never stop inflation it is your yep, evil no. hidden tax Companion, and there's only one way to get rid of it, and that is Have to get rid of the underlying fake back. money and move to constitutional currency. There's only one way, Chris. Only one, and nobody nope. is talking about that. Not even the Donald. Nope. Nope. And people say, "Well, there's not enough gold and silver to back our money." Well, you you make it so that uh, it's proportional to the amount of money you need in circulation, because that's why Congress was given the power to regulate uh, the value of money. All they do is they peg it to gold and silver, and if there's not enough gold and silver, well, then just peg it upwards or peg it downwards according to the needs of the people. But at least you have that that stability attached to the dollar so you know that you can always have a reliable uh, currency that will retain its value throughout the ages. Yeah, there's two songs that come to mind. Lips are moving. Then you lie, 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 and lies, 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 yeah. As we continue talking about the Donald Obama on your radio. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine. The award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas, like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. I think that my family has always had a big influence on me for not smoking because since I was little, I was taught that smoking was wrong. Recent studies indicate that smoking among teens often leads to the use of alcohol and other drugs. 
I think having faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has helped to avoid smoking. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies. John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then the more they use the lie, the more spiritual power they get. Look, the media is a lie multiplier, and this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast, and that can overwhelm and even deceive the body of Christ, especially when the body is being disobedient to the head. The churches today are incorporated, so they're subordinate to human government. They obey the beast and do nothing to restore our national relationship with God. And the government shall be on his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. That verse is not for the present-day church. Rather, it is for the end-time church, the body of the Lion of Judah, a message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, back with you live. We had to change the seven lies to eight lies of the Brock Trump <laughs> presidencies, if you will, uh, because we just uh, debated another lie uh, off air on the break, and I submit that it's a lie, so Chris agrees, and we got to change it. Chris tried to give the Donald the benefit of the doubt, uh, but I don't think so. I don't think we can ignore that because we ignore economic fundamentals if we do. Chris? Well, in compassion for the individual, I'm going to stick with my gun, Sam. You can be the hard nose here. <laughs> I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but we can add an eighth lie if you want. So here's what he said, and we'll let your audience be the judge on this. He said, in four short years, everyone was thriving like never before. By October 2020, stop, the stop, economy— Stop, 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 stop. Were you okay. thriving like never before, Chris? I mean, did you just have a— You worked your whole life, 30-plus years, and, buddy, in that one year, you were just absolutely rocking like never before. Is that true? Is that the way it felt for you? Uh, I'm going to have to say yes because my business was independent of COVID. I operated in spite of a lot of people being uh, fired from their jobs for not getting shots and being laid off because of economic What if I were to call a halt? What if I were to call a halt to the con game of printing extra money? Would you have felt that way? Oh, no, absolutely not because my money, I don't save money because you know, okay, you so based right. based on dishonest economic principles and the getting us into debt and the inflationary hidden tax of false prosperity by printing money, you felt like you had dope for a year, right? Yeah. Okay. All no, right. I cool. understand Good your point. You. And I agree. I didn't feel that way. <laughs> now you make me feel like an idiot. I felt like I a felt. sugar high and the crashes are coming. No, you're right. You're right. No, I was affected. I can't say that I wasn't affected because if I use American dollars, of course, you are affected, which I did. So, no, you're right. So that is a lie. Okay, I'll, get, I'll concede the And I'll, I'll give you one more point. You got more handouts under the Donald than you got under Biden, right? Yes. Oh, that's verifiable. All right, he, there you go. So, you know. If I go yeah. ahead and give you all some, all you know, a, a bunch of money in your hand and you walk away from the lottery feeling great for a while, it doesn't mean it's real. 
It means you feel like that, but it doesn't mean that it's underlying true. What's the opposite of true? False. What's the opposite of truth? Uh, falsehoods. Lies. Yeah. Lies. Yep, Eighth lies. lie. Amen. Yes. All right, no. keep going. Okay, I'm just trying to be in, I'm, we're, we're doing good, bad, good cop, bad cop here, so I'm trying to be the good cop. <laughs> Chris Carlson defending the Donald. I love it. Maybe, All right, go. Maybe next, maybe next, next section we'll, we'll reverse roles, Sam. <laughs> I can be the bad cop. Anyway, so in my site is evidence of the fact that this is not true. The fact that in April of 2020, during uh, Donald Trump's last year of his presidency, unemployment was 14.7%. And we know that those numbers are manipulated downward, Sam. If we had the true unemployment rate, it would probably be close, closer to 20%. If you, you consider the people that want to work but that can't find jobs but can no longer qualify for unemployment insurance, you know, that number would be instead of 14.7% in the month of April, it would have probably been 20, maybe 25%. Well, and when you have so, forced government unemployment insurance forced on all employers, that changes the game, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't have employees. So the, the problem here is we don't have a free market to, 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 to base reality and facts upon. And when you manipulate yeah. certain aspects of the economy, everything else is out of whack um, because you've violated free market fundamentals, Chris. Let's teach people the truth here. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I agree with you 1,000% on that point. We, we don't have a free market here in, in the United States. We haven't for years, ever since the Federal Reserve uh, started printing fake uh, Federal Reserve notes, we haven't. I mean, you, you can't gauge an economy on, on a fake monetary system because everything's manipulated by the fact that, that somebody holds a monopoly on the issuance of money, and it's not backed by silver or gold which it no longer is. So anyway, I can see All that All right, point. next one. So the next line number six, open borders. We built the wall. We kind of touched on this earlier. We built the wall, and now we will add to it. So wait a minute. He either built the wall or he didn't. How do you add to a wall that you already built? So it sounds like he's, he's starting off by saying we've completed the wall, but he didn't say the word complete. He said we built the wall. Well, how much wall did you really build, Donald Trump? Why don't you just come clean on that? And um, today, to his own admission, Donald Trump has only built 400 miles of wall. And then uh, add to that, Sam, what saddens me the most is that Donald Trump could have stationed troops on the border the first day of his presidency, January 20th, uh, 2017. He could have said, okay, now as a Commander-in-Chief, I am going to station troops on the border, every a troop for every, what, one-eighth of a mile or whatever, however they want to do that. But instead, he played Kabuki Theater with Congress for two and a half years over how the wall would be funded. While the but hold funds on. Were available, we said the ahead. Mexicans were going to pay for it, so I don't know why we're debating with Congress to see how it's going to get funded in the first place. Yeah, that was so bogus. I don't know why he even said that. That that just made uh -oh, him. Oh, we like might get idiot. into nine lines if we're not careful. We'll leave that off the table, shall we? I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm gonna defend the Donald right now. He did the very best he could, and Congress shut him down, Chris. Well, yeah, but he could have raised the money uh, through private means. I would have. Well, donated he maintain, hold on. $1, he maintains the Mexicans paid for it. Okay, I don't even know what, how to respond to that one, Sam. He, you don't he need to respond. The Mexicans. Yeah, absolutely they paid for it. What are you talking about? 
Okay, do do tell. I'm confused. Well, listen, How I'm the speaker. Mexican you don't get asked any questions. So I'm just telling you. <laughs> okay. I'm just telling you right now that the Mexicans paid for the wall. Okay, it's your story. You're going to tell it the way you want, right? That's Whether it's true or the not. point. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, Donald Trump's kind of like that, and if if he's we totally can like on, that, and so are all of them. It doesn't matter if you're the leader of the Republican or the Democratic Party. They all do that, right? Well, they do. You remember, and I would like to go off on a little bit of a sideline here, if you don't mind. You remember the KGB sure. agent, Yuri Bezmanov? Yes, we had a great, hold on, we had a great show about it. I think it was like a month ago, about, right? Yeah. Do you remember uh, the, t- the type of personalities that he was instructed by his superiors to recruit? Do you remember the, that description that he gave? Yes. I would like to read that description. So Please. the type of personalities that he was uh, instructed to recruit for his subversive activities were quote cynical egocentric people who can look you look into your eyes with angelic expression and tell you a lie these are the most recruitable people people who lack moral principles who are either too greedy or suffer from self-importance they feel that they matter a lot now tell me what that description sounds like to you Sam doesn't that sound like Donald Trump Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Repeat it yeah. one more time. Oh, Just it, for it, bears it bears repeating. Yes. Um, quote, cynical, egocentric people who can look into your eyes with angelic expression and tell you a lie. These are yeah. the most recruitable people. Yeah. That's so let, me, let me explain. Too. Let me explain. I'm going to tell you that I built the wall, uh, Chris. Okay. And the Mexicans paid for it. Now, listen carefully. The Mexicans indirectly paid for it, Chris. Okay. They, yeah. No, they didn't. Yeah, they no, did they indirectly. Okay. No. Are you going to justify that statement, or are you just going to tell me? I'm, I'm going to tell you that, hey, you go look at the trade belief. numbers. You look at all the stuff. You go do your homework reporter, and I'm telling you right now that basically they paid for the wall indirectly. Okay. Yeah. Now we can debate on how indirect. That's a whole other topic. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm. Okay, so he repeated rally after rally after rally. Okay? Mm -hmm. That he said Mexico will pay for the wall. They'll be paying indirectly many times over via the trade agreement that I put in place. See? Now, if you want to go ahead and have more information, you go look at the trade agreement. You go look at the old one. I'm telling you, they paid for the wall. Okay. So he said Mexicans are paying for the wall. Paris. Okay. And I told you that in Des Moines, Iowa. I told you that in many other rallies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Through, through tariffs? In Johnstown, Pennsylvania, I told you they're paying right now. Every day they're paying because of the changes that I made with the agreements. I mean, it was incredible. Everybody's happy about the agreement we made, Chris. Okay, Sam. I guess I'm, you know, since everybody around me is cheering yeah, with uh, with admiration. In, in that, I'm a charismatic it, character, and I'm just going to look you right in the eye and tell you that. All right. Well, and, and that's the problem. Sometimes the perception becomes reality for people. I'm just going to keep repeating this, Chris. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, I I had the Mexicans pay for the wall that we built. You got it. And they're still paying now. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Liberty Roundtable. 
Sam. Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News. Residents in Buffalo, New York are bracing for a potential historic winter storm that could dump up to six feet of snow in some areas. In addition to the heavy snow, the storm is also bringing temperatures that are forecasted to be 20 degrees below normal. Officials in Erie County have issued a driving ban due to the storm and a state of emergency has been declared. Tim Berg has the latest on the man who targeted Los Angeles police recruits. The man who drove into a crowd of Los Angeles County Sheriff's recruits allegedly did so on purpose. The L.A. County Sheriff's Office added the Wednesday crash was a deliberate act. Nicholas Joseph Gutierrez is charged with attempted murder after 25 people were injured. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. Four University of Idaho students who were found dead in a rental house near campus were stabbed to death in their beds and likely were asleep when the attack happened. This is according to the county coroner. Officers have not identified a suspect or found a weapon. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi ignored former President Donald Trump in her farewell speech to Congress. I have enjoyed working with three presidents achieving historic investments in clean energy with President George Bush, transformative health care reform with President Barack Obama, and forging, and forging the future from infrastructure to health care to climate action with President Joe Biden. Pelosi stated in a speech on the House floor that she plans to stay in Congress but will no longer seek leadership positions in the Democratic caucus. This is USA Radio News. Paid for by government.com. The 1878 to 1921 Morgan Silver Dollar, a true American classic and one of the most iconic silver dollar coins in history. It's been 100 years since the last Morgan Silver Dollar coin was struck for circulation. And now, for a limited time only, full pound bags of original U.S. government struck Morgan Dollars are being released to the public. That's right. You can own a full pound of 1878 to 1921 classic American Morgan Silver Dollar coins, all in very good collector condition with fully visible dates and mint marks. Guaranteed. Call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure collector-grade U.S. Morgan Silver Dollars by the pound. Struck during the Wild West and the Gilded Age. Plus, receive a bonus American Collector's Pack valued at over $25, free with every order. Call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure your full pound bag of Morgan Silver Dollar coins before they are gone. 1-800-473-1745. That's 1-800-473-1745. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Hard-hitting talk, ladies and gentlemen. I've been playing the devil's advocate for a reason with Chris. We know that he's right on every point he's making. But this is how the lie goes. This is how they manipulate you, back you into the lie. 
betray you, deceive you. All I got to say is, why don't you go study the N? What is it? The MSAA or what's that agreement called? USMCA. USMCA versus NAFTA. You go study both of those, and you'll see. I'm making the Mexican pay right now. See. Uh, you know, and okay. if I just continue repeating that lie, and if it really gets bad, then what I'll do is I'll just say, you're one of those never-Trumpers, aren't you, Chris? See? No, I'm not one of those never-Trumpers. I'm one of those pro- Wait, you're an always-Trumper? No, no, I don't fit into either. I do. So you're hate. you're I just don't... really one of those, you're one of those psychopath terrorists that are neither uh, 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 the two that everybody else is, right? Ding, 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 you got it, buddy. That's how yeah, they I'm roll, ladies and gentlemen. All right, there's two more. Big lies that we got to okay. highlight. We got to roll. Go. Well, okay. So we we added one. So we're on line number eight. Now, admittedly, he did not mention this last Tuesday. He mentioned this during his 2019 State of the Union address, Sam. But it's just as relevant because it came from his mouth. He said, "Here in the United States, we are alarmed by new calls to adopt socialism in our country. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country." End of quote. Now, did he um, follow through with that promise? No. Well, we no. already are, and we're already a socialist country. So uh, he either yep. doesn't understand the truth on that one, or the fact is he uh, wants you to believe that socialism is not socialism. Take your pick. Don't know which. Either way, it's blatantly a false statement, provable in every element of our society, from government school to swimming pools to golf courses, and I can continue all day long. But the point is made. He either doesn't know we're a socialist nation or he's lying to you. One of the two. I don't know which, though. See, that's the problem. Maybe he just doesn't know, Chris. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, when when you grow up the in next an environment. One, it's insane, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I have proof. Of, during the pandemic, he handed out at least two points. I tried to count, you know, every stimulus package that he supported and Congress passed. And it was up to $2.4 billion worth of stimulus redistribution payments. It's an emergency. And he said, quote, you know, I know, I know. (laughs) That that doesn't make it socialism. I guess that negates the socialism. No, sir, that's an emergency. It's totally different. It's See, that's okay. how, it's just insane. And it's like me telling you the sun doesn't come up. And it's like, you know, you got a sunburn because you've been up for three hours with the sun. And I'm like, you know what? The sun's not even up, Chris. Yeah. So anyway, to, to support that, when, when Trump was asked during a Fox Business Network interview at the White House whether he was in favor of sending another round of stimulus checks to blunt the impact of the coronavirus pandemic, he said, I do. I support it. But it has to be done properly. And then he goes on to say, I support actually yeah, larger numbers. can't be done the socialist way. No. <laughs> no. No, we can't believe that because we're, we're – All right. Republican. Any more lies? Okay, one more real quick. I know we've yes, got to move on. And, th- and, again, this was not something that came out of his mouth last Tuesday. It was something that came out of his mouth actually on January 20th, uh, 2017. So the first day of his presidency, you know, they swear the oath before God and before the American people to, quote, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, unquote. And he did not do that on many, many, many counts. So we could probably add hundreds and hundreds of lies to the fact that he swore an oath before God and the people to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, and he did not. Period. End of story. So let's move on to... I just believe in a living, breathing Constitution there, Chris, and I'm, I'm supporting it more than you're giving me credit for, Chris. Living, breathing. All right. But here's the problem. 
Here's the fly in the ointment. When Donald Trump has a clear Rothschild's connection to the banking cartel, how do you expect him to behave any different, Chris? Nope. And let me give you just the overall details. In 1990, I don't know if people know this. People do know that uh, Donald Trump did file for bankruptcy on at least four different occasions. Well, here's one of those occasions. In 1990, Donald Trump was on the verge of a $3.4 billion bankruptcy for which he was personally on the hook uh, 180, he was, oh no, 830 million, sorry. At the time, no banker in their right mind was willing to bail him out except for one. Do you remember Wilbur Ross, Sam? Do you, do you know who Wilbur Ross is? That name should ring a bell. Yes, it's he an old was, name, though. It's, it's an old name. Isn't it an old name? No, Wilbur, well, Wilbur is. I mean, not too many people are named Wilbur, but that's beside the point. So Wilbur Ross was Donald Trump's um, commerce secretary in his oh, cabinet. Oh, okay. I misplaced the guy. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, no. So it's, he's probably still living as far as I know. So he represented Rothschild Incorporated in 1990 when Donald Trump was bailed out because he made an investment in, in a company called Resorts Incorporated and, uh, and it lost big time. Uh, it was a derivative investment and he just his stock went down 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 he was on the verge of bankruptcy rothschild incorporated you know the our uh, friends the rothschilds over in uh, the city of london in great britain they were willing to bail him out now and if you know anything about the rothschild sam they always expect to get a great return on their investments if you calculate the interest payment on the big bank that the big bankers are now realizing on the 6.7 billion dollars that america had to borrow under president trump's um four-year term you'll then understand what the rothschilds were really investing in as long as president trump is doing their bidding um he's he's always going to make sure that america incurs uh, a massive amount of debt and i believe that was the payback and people don't calculate our national debt as a payback to the bankers who are really controlling us they control the government. They control Hollywood. They control um, all of the entertainment industries. They control the media. We could go on and on and on. And that's why all this stuff is starting to coalesce and to make sense why Donald Trump would talk conservatively, but he would govern like a Democrat. Because all right, there you have it. I was wrong. I did not know who Wilbur Ross was. I said I did because I thought I knew. I thought he was an older one of the banking cartels. Uh, people throughout the uh, the years. Uh, I was wrong. I didn't know who he was. But who is Wilbur Ross, you may ask? And how did he help assist, quote, Trump? Wilbur Ross served as the Secretary of Commerce uh, during the Trump administration from 2017 to 2021. Uh, and basically who he was known as the king of bankruptcy, by the way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I did not know who he was. I was wrong. I thought I did, and I don't. So there you have that. That's interesting. Uh, but that's who he was, and, and you're, you're spot on on this, Chris. He was the bankruptcy guy. No wonder, uh, you know, you can say the economy's great. You get the master king of bankruptcy guy in, 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 in play to carry that out for you, and you got to wonder, is Ross short for Rothschild or what? I don't know. Very strange. Uh, yeah, Wilbur Ross, I, I don't know. That's just speculation. Yeah, so it's just that, an interesting, strange kind of connection, though. A lot of times when people come to America, they change their name a little bit slightly, shorten it, whatever else, 
to kind of avoid detection of who they are. Now, I don't know if he's part of that family or not. I could be completely wrong. I just find it interesting. But all I can tell you is that Trump has a Rothschild connection uh, that has literally bailed out his personal banking realities multiple times to the point where when Donald was in a rally and people started criticizing George Soros, Donald Trump defended George as well, Chris. Yeah, George Soros is another um, Jewish banker, uh, financier, who during a rally, you and I both uh, remember the rally, they said, well, we need to lock up George Soros. And you remember Donald Trump's response. I don't remember it word for word, but it says, oh, leave him alone, because he knew that uh, there are certain untouchables in the world of finance that you cannot criticize, you cannot expose as frauds. And George Soros and Wilbur Ross are two of those people that uh, Donald Trump has been verifiably associated with over the years. And he, we don't want to know about those connections with the big bankers. And that would explain, um, you know, why the media, for example, uh, during the 2016 election gave him an estimated $4.5 billion. We talked about that before with the free coverage. So it all starts to coalesce if you realize to whom he is really indebted. Not the American people; it's the big bankers, Sam. So, all right, you want go ahead. You want to talk people, about? Okay, go ahead. A lot of people are talking about, um, and we have been as well. Myself, with James Edwards, many others have been talking about restoration versus secession. Chris, yes, yes, and um, you, James, was on Tuesday, was it or Thursday? I Wednesday. think it was Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. And I, I listened to that discussion, and I, I texted you. Uh, during the conversation, and and my text was yes, I agree with both of you. I believe that we are just first of all we're we're justified in succeeding, and you you disagreed with James, and you said no, I think we um, we should we should work towards restoration. And my response was yes, as as we're working towards restoration, we should look eventually to secession, because there gets a point in a country. Hey, can you skip the great where, break, guys? Thank you. Keep going, Chris. We get to the point, Sam, in a country where there are no other options, and I cite as my precedent the Founding Fathers. You know, they tried to reconcile conditions with the mother country, with Great Britain, but it got, it got to a point where it was just impossible because Great Britain, the, the, the king, the parliament, and the people that supported the king and the parliament on uh, the mainland there in, in Europe, uh, believed that, that the American 13 colonists should be subjects rather than equal citizens. And that was not, that was not in, first of all, it wasn't in God's plan. God, God intended for this country to, to become free. And there's actually a history of this country that we won't go into, Sam, where there, there were free nations, great nations, that existed on this continent before our founding fathers uh, came here that were were magnificently um, prosperous and successful, high technology, all those things, just like we are today. And and they have failed, and they have uh, gone out of existence for the same reasons that if we ever go out of existence, um, we'll, we'll because of sin and, and turning our backs on God. Anyway, I didn't mean to go too far off on that tangent, but I use the Founding Fathers as a precedent, and I use the Declaration of Independence, where uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote, that all men are created equal, that uh, and they have certain un unalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and, and the pursuit of happiness. But he goes on to say, Sam, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. 
So James is right. We have the uh, verifiable right to abolish whatever form of government uh, we feel is inconsistent with our God-given rights. Now, the only question that I would pose to James is, are we there yet? Are we at that point where uh, secession or rebellion is justified? And I would agree with you on, on that point, Sam. No, we're not there yet. Um, if they were ever, for example, to come and try to take away our guns going house to house, I would say that that would be a justifiable infraction of our inalienable rights to where we would be justified, at least on an individual basis. But they're not doing that yet. Or if they decided that everybody has to get um, a, a vaccination identification mark, like a tattoo or what were they talking about, the, the ones that are invisible to the naked eye but can be scanned with ultraviolet light. If they ever tried to force people in order to buy and sell and to conduct commerce, that would be probably uh, a trigger point to where we would, would, in fact, be justified in rebelling and even literally taking up arms. But we're not there yet. So on that point, I would agree with you. On the point that we have the right to eventually, if things should get to the point where it's justifiable, I would agree with James on that. So I don't know if that clears anything up. Well, and I would basically come back to you and say, no doubt we have the ultimate right of secession. And I, I uh, relayed that to James, that I'm aware of that and agree with that point. The difference that I would kind of point out, though, uh, in addition to what you're talking about, about there's a precedent and, and a way to go about it, I would simply say this as well. Uh, remember, one of the creeds of a physician is to do no harm. And right now, and even uh, into the future, things can get quite a bit worse. Um, when you declare secession, you've got to do two things. You've got to, one, have a plan to make things better. Okay, and if you make things worse, I don't know that it's better. But when you talk about states like a Utah, let's say Utah declared secession, they are landlocked for like 800 miles. And so, you know what? You're not going to be able to get the goods and services to sustain yourself uh, in our modern society. If other states started chopping off the Internet around you, for instance, and say, hey, you know what? The Internet lines run through our state. We're not going to let you. Okay, we've got to really think through this long and hard. And when do we make things worse for the American people versus when do we make things better for the American people? So I'm not debating the, the right of secession as much as I'm debating the practicality and the reality of doing so. And to make claims of secession lightly without thinking through the real repercussions uh, is a dereliction of duty, to say the least. So I'm not denying the authority to declare secession. I'm not also denying the, at some point, the necessity, uh, mm -hmm. as much as I am yeah. saying the practicality and the reality. If you're not very careful, you, you, you throw us from the frying pan into the fire based on a dereliction of due diligence, you know, on the matter. So I, I, I'm just talking about a reality, and I'll debate that with anybody, anytime, anywhere. Because when you get landlocked and they turn off 90% of your power, because Utah produces a lot of power, but they get their power from elsewhere. I don't know if you know that. We send no. power from Delta, Utah to California, and we get power from uh, Lake Powell Power Plant or yeah, and other. And other okay, so m a power shifts around. We wouldn't have power. We wouldn't have Internet. We wouldn't have goods and services because they could just simply landlock us and shut us off. So before you pop off, you better have your ducks in a row is the whole point. All right, no. moving on. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, is backing the, quote, I would call it disrespect for marriage act, Chris. Oh yeah, and then here's the thing about that, Sam. Um, the church has the ability to convene press conferences on 
uh, from time to time. Uh, it just seems odd to me, Sam, that of all of the pieces of legislation that have been proposed, both on the federal and the state levels, that this is the one that they would get behind. And I understand why they're getting behind it, because people don't realize, well, some people do, that the church is a 501c3 corporation. Okay, And as such, they have to protect their corporate interests. They, they want to maintain um, that status seemingly however whatever is required to do that and i don't think that they should i think their 501c3 status should be subordinate to their spiritual mission and i think backing a bill that recognizes uh the marriage between homosexual and uh bisexual um, lesbian i'm sorry i'm using the wrong terminology or transgender or whatever that recognize what is clearly not recognized by God, to me, is a big mistake. And um, there's a lot of legislation that I would like to see the church get behind. There's legislation, uh, for example, well, for example, in the state of Utah, there are what are called trigger laws that when Roe versus Wade this last summer was overturned, uh, gave uh, the legislature power to enact automatically, because these laws have been practiced, passed previously to um, prohibit abortion except in extreme cases like rape and incest. But to this day, Sam, there is still abortion going on in the state of Utah because of the decision of one individual who happens to be a state judge who said that it was unconstitutional to prohibit women from getting abortions in the state of Utah. Now, that is an issue that I would love to see the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get behind. Why did they not convene a press conference and say that uh, that those trigger laws should go forward? Anything that violates the sacred right to life under the Constitution and under the state Constitution of Utah, by the way, um, should not be countenanced in the state of Utah. And why are bureaucrats not taking action uh, in favor of the right to life? Why did they not convene a, a press conference to support that issue? They're supporting an issue that, to me, it, it perverts the purpose of the entire purposes of God, and thus the interests of the church. So well, I'm disgusted with marriage. that decision. Same-sex marriage is an abomination in His sight, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be very clear about that. And from a constitutional point of view, there's problems with the bill. On one hand, we say, "Hey, we were wrong. The federal government needs to get out of abortion." We said that, you know, 60 million murdered babies too late. 50 years too late, if you will. But now we all of a sudden somehow think we're going to codify marriage at the federal level. When we took abortion out of the federal level's purview, neither abortion or marriage have any authority or any guidelines or any constitutional mojo. There is nothing there. It's a clear violation of the Tenth Amendment, Chris. It is. So I'm going to go ahead and and read what I wrote about this, because this is a very sensitive issue to me. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, in good standing, standing, I might add. So they have a constitutional – I have a constitutional problem with the proposed bill as it relates to my membership of the church. Since the proposed Respect for Marriage Act, which is a misnomer, it doesn't respect marriage, it violates uh, God's laws concerning marriage – since this violates the Tenth Amendment, like you just mentioned, of the Constitution, it, oppo- it poses an additional doctrinal problem for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that problem is 
that in their scriptures it reads, and I'm quoting, Therefore I, the Lord, justify you and your brethren of my church in befriending that law, which is the constitutional law of the land, and as pertaining to law of man, whatsoever is more or less than this, this cometh of evil. So they're supporting a bill that is clearly in contradiction to the Constitution and the law of the land. And according to their scripture, it cometh of evil. So how can you stand in support of something that, quote, cometh of evil, Sam? That, to me, is a clear violation of your doctrinal principles, and they should not have done it, even if it did yeah, protect I, their I corporate don't speak, status. I don't speak for the church I don't have answers on this. To me, it's very confusing. And as you know, my view is clear. I reject the Disrespect for Marriage Act. I understand that religious freedom is on the ropes, but I submit to you that if I can't stand up against perverted marriage, then my religious freedom is already on the ropes. So how can I promote perverted marriage while pretending to uphold religious freedom uh, when my religious freedom uh, suggests that this is perversion in marriage, not the law or okay so i can't advance one without betraying the other uh, is the point and that's my opinion to which i'm entitled and i'm not here to attack anybody i am here to clearly state my views chris yeah as am i and i i love the church okay don't misconstrue what i'm saying i'm not attacking the church in any way shape shape or form i'm actually helping them to see this through clearly because i think this bill could potentially in the near future sam jeopardize the church's independence in deciding who may or may not conduct or, or be, be married in their sacred temples. You know, and I attend temple ceremonies on a regular basis. What if they, somebody... Well, some and there's a debate. Lawyer, they would claim that marriage is up to the law. A ceiling, a different term, is related to the temples and whether they can get away with that nuance or difference or whatever we want to... You know, I don't know the answer to all that either. But I stand against the bill firmly, clearly, directly, against this perverted uh, bill. That's where I stand. But Chris, I got a question for you before the end of the hour. And it yes, may sir. be that you have the answer and it may be that you want to think about it and give it back to us next week or something. But here it is. What is the more, most important issue for you for the country uh, in the next two years? Next two years? To, to, to put it generally, I think we need to turn our hearts to God and away from the solutions that man provides for us to uh, get our country back on a firm foundation. Turning our hearts to God, then. Is that what you were looking right. for? Yeah, well, I don't know. Whatever you say is what I'm looking for, meaning I don't have an agenda with this. I think you're spot on. I think that turning mm -hmm. to God and repenting is probably the most singular thing we could do. That's on an individual basis. On a country basis, I think standing up for pro-life is one of the biggest keys. I'm grateful that Roe versus Wade was overturned, but now it's up to we, the people in the states, and with chemical abortion, they're circumventing all the state laws that we've put in place right now, and that's a serious problem. So I think the protection of life uh, as well as turning to God, are probably the two most important things we could be focused on. Yeah, no, if you want to talk about individual issues, yeah, I would say abortion. If, if you know, if I became the, the president of the United States, the first thing I would do is abolish abortion, which I wouldn't have to do. The Constitution has already done that. The Fifth Amendment says that no person shall be denied of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. End of discussion. Abortion never was legal in this country under that constitutional provision, Sam, so I wouldn't have to change anything. I would just have to inform people of the pre-existing reality. Sorry. I got, no, I think just, you're spot on. 
It's just and, so and I, obvious. And, and I get the passion over these issues because they are some of the most important. Look, if you can't protect life of the most innocent among us, what can you protect, Chris? Uh, and when it comes Everything. to turning to God, there's only one way for us to save ourselves, and that is with the Savior, Jesus Christ. Look, yeah. if we turn to God, he'll heal our land and protect us. If we don't repent and turn to God, don't look. <laughs> we don't have a chance. I mean, even the founding fathers highlighted that. Hey, if do we think a nation can rise without his aid? Uh, how does it get more clear, Chris? Well, yeah, that's what Benjamin Franklin said during the Constitution constitutional ratifying convention yeah not ratifying uh constitutional convention but yeah we can't this this nation like john adams said was made this constitution i should say was made only for a religious and a moral people and we are rapidly becoming a not so religious and a not so moral people i'm going to be kind in my wording there but um yeah but but remember, Sam, the righteous – and going back to the restoration versus secession discussion, I believe when the time comes for us to rebel – I know that's a pretty uh, powerful word or, – or to secede, I think the Lord will show us the way. And I think our minds and our hearts will be knit together as the remnant of Christians left in this country, and he will show us the way that we can do so in the most effective manner possible. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Take us out, Chris. Yes, sir. Without God, we cannot win. With God, we cannot lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord, Sam, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving patriots everywhere, continuing our duty, sir. Roger that. Ladies and gentlemen, we the people, along with the grace of the Almighty, we can and indeed will restore our grand old republic, but you got to get involved. Make it a great day. You got to choose the right. And we declare this nation shall endure. LovingLiberty.net. Spread the love, will you please? God save the Republic of the United States of America.